Which we have. Okay. Um, it says, uh, saying it's doing it. Okay. Uh, good evening. I've got a couple of housekeeping announcements before we start the county uh, Ralph County Planning Commission meeting. We just did a Zoom check. Is there anybody else on that can give us any feedback? Yeah. I don't see anybody. Nobody's on yet. This agenda was published on the Ralph County website and posted outside the meeting room. This meeting is also available via call in to Zoom. A link to Zoom is on the agenda. <clears throat> Note that it's important that all commissioners, staff, petitioners, and public microphones be muted unless speaking. Additionally, members of the public should have their video off unless speaking, and staff will assist with managing this feature. Th those wishing to speak, please raise your hand between staff and myself. We will keep track of th those who wish to speak and call upon them to do so. For those who are attending without video, we'll need to interject during a lull in the conversation. Those participating via phone with audio only can mute and unmute by pressing star six on their keypad. They can raise their hand by pressing star nine, and those participating via computer or smartphone with video can raise their hand by putting their cursor on their picture or square of no video, and near the top where there are three dots appearing, one of them is raise hand. And with that introduction to Zoom and Meow and all that good stuff, I hereby call the Brown County Planning Commission meeting of May 18, 2023 to order. Uh, the first item on the agenda is public comment. Members of the public may address the Planning Commission on any items not on the agenda and comments regarding items on the agenda will be taken during that agenda item. Is there anybody from the public here tonight to speak to the Planning Commission about anything not on the agenda? Seeing none and nobody raising their hand on numbering, um, we'll move on to approval of minutes. Uh, the item A is minutes from April 20th, 2023. Are there any corrections, additions, or deletions to the minutes from April 20th, 2023? I move to approve the minutes from April 20th, 2023. And there's, a, there's a second here. So, P. Right? Yeah. So, I'm just doing that for the So, motion was by Linda Miller, second by P. Wood. Uh, all in favor of approval of the minutes from April 20th, 2023. Please signify by saying yes. 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 Those opposed? The minutes from April 20th. Yeah, April 20th. That's, I hope I said that. Uh, uh, yeah. All opposed? Signify by saying nay. Motion carries. 7-0. 7-0. Everyone in attendance. Speaking of which, for the record, if we could start with you, Rand, just indicate your presence so that Sarah can put that together. Rand Martin, present. Linda Miller, present. Brian Kelly, present. Pete Wood, present. Karen Yeager, here. Judy Benjamin, present. Paul Weiss, here. Okay, those are the seven members we have here with us tonight. The next item on the agenda is the minutes from April 27, 2023. Are there any corrections, deletions, or additions 
to the minutes from April 27th. I won't list a year this time. <laughs> Motion to approve April 27th, 2023 minutes. Second. Second. Motion was by Rand Martin. Second was by Linda Miller. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? There are none. Motion, motion carries 7-0. The minutes from May 4th, 2023. Now I can say it without babbling about it. Um, is there any corrections, additions, or deletions to the minutes of May 4th? I move we approve the minutes of May 4th, 2023. Second. Second. Motion by Linda Miller. Second by Pete Wood. All in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? The motion carries unanimously, seven nothing. Next item on the agenda is consent item. Uh, there's one item on it, a consolidation of lot 5859 Eagles Watch subdivision at Stagecoach. If any planning commission member or staff requests that the item be removed from the consent agenda, it will be placed on the regular agenda. Does anybody here have a reason for doing that? Seeing none, I would entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda. I move that we approve the consent agenda, agenda item PL2023019. Is there a second? Second. Motion by Linda Miller, second by Ren Mark. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? And I think just for the newer members, that's one we can't discuss. As soon as we discuss it, it's on the agenda. <laughs> so you just kind of like, yeah. You can discuss the minutes, but not consent agenda. Items for consideration. Uh, Beth Herbert, PL2023-0030 which is a zone change from commercial to mountain real estate. Uh, the applicant, is the applicant here tonight? Okay, applicant's here tonight. I'm sure you'll get a chance to speak. And do you want to start with the staff report or should we go to the applicant first? Um, maybe it would be better if we just start with, with my presentation. So, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, this is a, a zone change request. Uh, from commercial to mountain residential state, estate, uh, planning commission will make a recommendation to the board of county commissioners who have the final decision and staff is recommending approval with the conditions presented in the staff report. So I'm going to go into a little bit of history. The first commercial use of this parcel was in 1954 and according to the documents and planning files, it was had a motel and a tourist court with five cabins. Later, an, an upholstery shop was set up on the site. When the county adopted zoning in 1972, it assigned the agricultural forestry zone district to it. Then in 1973, the BCC approved a zone change from AF to commercial. It's unclear when the cabins stopped being used. Uh, in a commercial fashion, but it has been more than 12 months. So any grandfathered status that may have been for those uses no longer applies. In 2020, the planning department complete, received complaints about 
uh, a campground being operated on the site with wall tents on platforms that were within 50 feet of the Amber River, lack of sanitation controls, unpermitted signs, and outdoor storage of boats. Uh, those were, at the time, those were all rectified, which then allowed us to accept this application. Um, and at the time of the last inspection, the site had was in compliance. Uh, but since then, uh, boats and trailers have been moved onto the site. And I did discuss that with the applicant this morning, and they're aware that they need to hold these items or the, the zone change can officially be, uh, be approved. So this site is a 5.49 acre site. It's located south of the intersection of County Road 21 and Highway 131. It's approximately a mile and a half north of Yampa, and it is surrounded by agricultural and residential uses. <clears throat> so uh, a brief description of the site, the Yampa River runs on the, the western property line of the site. It is heavily vegetated, as you can see from this aerial, and there are wetlands throughout the site. Access comes off of 131 in kind of in the middle of the, of the site. And this access does not align with County Road, County Road 21A that comes in from the, from the east a little bit further north. CDOT stated that they are okay with the location of the driveway for a residential use, but if any type of redevelopment or commercial use is proposed, that they would require the access to this site to be moved so that it is in alignment with uh, where County Road 21A comes, comes into the highway. There are three rundown cabins on the property, a three-bay garage and an enclosed garage. And so again, this is a rezone request from mountain, from commercial to mountain residential estate. Uh, staff found that it complies with all of the zone, zone change criteria found in sections 821 and 822. And there's also an excerpt from the zoning regulations that states, except as provided for in the Route County Master Plan or adopted sub-area plan, for the purpose of rezoning from LDR, MDR, or HDR to MRE, no additional land will be placed in the MRE zone district after July 1st. So the master plan encourages commercial uses to take place in the road centers. And rezoning this parcel would prevent uses allowed in the commercial zone district from occurring outside of the growth center. Although there are no MRE zoned parcels in the vicinity, this zone district is more compatible with the surrounding uses than the commercial zone district and does help further the goals of the master plan. Uh, and then staff was not able to identify any issues for discussion. So we're uh, Available for questions if you have any. Any questions for Alan? Why MRE versus Ag Because the minimum lot size in the Ag Forestry Zone District is 35. It is 35. Yeah. And so if you were yeah. if we were to rezone this to 30 AF, it would automatically be non-conforming. 
and it was a discussion staff went back and forth um, about um, obviously all the community properties are agriculture and forestry, but this is this property in itself is much smaller, so it would automatically be non-conforming. However, the MRE is a residential zone, and that is mainly uh, what this use of the property will be for. And the minimum lot size of the MRE is five acres, so this one would be in compliance with that standard. Any other questions? Seeing none, Elizabeth, would you? Thank you, Alan. Uh, so Alan really covered all the good stuff. Um, my name is Beth Herbert, and I'm here as a representative of my husband and our four boys. Um, and we're we're asking that this law we call Four Bears Fish Camp um, be rezoned to non-residential, so that we can build um, our primary use single-family residence on it and continue to raise our family in Route County and live and work here as well. So I, I'm here to answer whatever questions you might have as best as I can, but that's, but again, Alan really did a spectacular job. Any questions for Ben Herbert? You mentioned Ryan's your husband, correct? Uh, yeah. Very well-known fishing guy. Slays it out there on the regular. Sometimes when I see them at sheriff's, yeah, yeah. hooting and hollering, they're always having a good time. Yeah. Um, in the future, will you continue to operate um, out of the residence, the the guide service, or are you locating to stagecoach or you know somewhere else for the guide service? Sure. So, um, I. Ryan's business, uh, we kind of, we say we divide and conquer in our family. So Ryan has Yam Valley Anglers and I kind of have the boys. And uh, so the business goes where he is. And whether that's Safeway parking lot or the parking lot at Stagecoach, um, or we used to own a home in Yampa, right? We turned the, he would lock us all out of the garage so he could answer phone calls and that sort of thing. So will he take phone calls and work on his website and that sort of thing out of this location? Yeah, his drift boat, saltwater boat, they're there, um, and and the trailers and that sort of thing. In terms of ever having clients come to that location, they wouldn't do that. We don't have any kind of retail. They don't have a store. Um, he lives on the internet yeah. and on his phone, so um, so it would never be the address of the business. And we did today discuss the difference between home occupation and a home industry and what that review would entail and the standards that go along with that. So uh, it could be used as a home occupation. Uh, there is that standard of no outdoor storage. So it doesn't work. You know, I kind of don't think that works. That's because, you know, being from South Route and knowing the property, they, they should have the opportunity to be able to continue to operate their business on the land. It's not like it's like you said, you're not bringing guests there. It's really the home base from which they depart on a daily basis. It's a very customized. There's not like van loads of people. It's a very intimate and personal type of business. So, you know, I understand going through the process, but I want to make sure that 
if that's the intention that we're on the path to allow them to continue to operate in that fashion, do they have to apply for another use or is that implied within our approval? Uh, so this is just relating to the zone change. This does not take into account what potential uses could take on it in the future. So uh, I'd like you to focus on really just the zone change criteria, if you can. And like I said, we have had conversations about what she could do in the future. And of course, we're updating the zoning and subdivision regulations. <laughs> Who knows what they're going to look like after that? Copy. Um, but I guess like one thing that needs to be kept in mind is that comment from Scott. So if they were going to use it in a commercial fashion that requires a permit from the county, CDOT would get a referral and they would most likely make them that move that access. Sure. And that, that to me is a whole totally separate thing. You know, and I would argue that that's not true. That's truly not a commercial use when you're, it's more like a home industry or, you know, like, just like you said, the home office, mm -hmm. uh, many, many people operate in that fashion. So as long as there's a path to continuing that. Um, yeah, we're in discussions with the applicant on that, but also, as Alan said, uh, and as you remember, our long laundry list of items on uh, the housekeeping list, evaluation of home occupation and home industry is definitely something that um, is at the top of that list for us to further examine and, and look at appropriate standards. Um, and should there be something in the middle, you know, you know, right now we have home occupation, which doesn't require additional permits. But you have these very strict standards because not to detract away from the residential appearance of the home. Um, and then you have this home industry, which is the other like side of the equation there. And you know, that's not good sense either. Mm -hmm. And should there be something we're looking at somewhere in the middle? So that's a later conversation, but it is something that you know we have been in discussions with the applicant about. We can focus back in on thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Go ahead, Beth. And I like to address um, the the votes and the trail of the situation. The conversation this morning, it's been rectified. We moved votes into the um, barn and deflated our rafts and that sort of thing. And, and it just kind of comes to um, backing votes into barns every day and deflating and reinflating, right? Like, that sort of thing, just moving trailers around, but it, it's all gone right. at this point. Right. Good here. And that's a requirement, man. MRE, there's no outside storage. Uh, no, there is accessory storage. Gotcha. There's, there's always a reasonable amount of accessory storage. And it's that determination at what point is it no longer accessory to what's going on in the property that's detracting from the residential use of the property. Gotcha. Which is great. Yeah. Well, great. <laughs> Sounds like a little more cleaning up in the next several yeah. months. Yeah. I used to live in an MRE and I don't remember anything like that. Yeah. Hey, for Beth. So I have just a question. Um, there's the um, lean to, I think you call it an on a garage that doesn't have. I'd say a three side storage structure. 
Perfect. If the votes were back since that, would it be? That's fine. It's fine if the votes are back since that. Yeah. All right. Any further questions? Seeing none, I would entertain a motion. Yeah. Vote, comment. Any comments by commission? Well, no, uh, public comment would be the next. Sorry about that. Are you a member of the public? There's nobody over Zoom. Okay. Seeing no public comment, I would then entertain a motion or any further questions from the commission. I move that we recommend the Herbert zoning change, which is um, EL2023030 and that we include the conditions of the findings of fact as stated in the report um, one, two, and three, and that the conditions for the change of zone from commercial to mountain residential estate as set forth condition one and then uh, condition A, um, a finding that the existing zone district is inconsistent with the policies and goals of the applicable master plan and uh, changing the zone will be more in line with the master plan. And then we have um, conditions A, B, C, D, and E. Am I right? Yeah, I was confused with that. Yeah. I think it's just one condition. It's one condition. There, those, so are, those are all subcategories. Okay, those are subcategories. Okay. So it's, was it, it was the three findings of fact and the one condition? And one condition with all of its subparts. I'm not seeing subparts. We have a subpart A, and then on yeah. another page, subparts A, B, C, D, and E. Oh, uh, those are sorry. Those are the applicant's narrative. Ah, well. Then so yeah, you're going to be doing the finding of fact one on page five, and then two and three on page six, and then condition one on page six. And that's it. Do we want to let this motion die and just remake it with the specific items? Sure. So start over again. Okay. <laughs> Okay, oh, let's find the uh, heading here. Okay, I move that we recommend to the Board of County Commissioners the Herbert Zone Change, which is activity PL2023030, and that we accept the findings of fact as outlined one, two, and three, and condition one. Is there a second? Okay. Motion by Linda Miller, second by Pete Wood. Is there any further discussion on the zone change to MRE? Seeing none, all in favor, please signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? The motion carries 7-0, the recommendation.
On to the county commissioner. Very good. Um, and you're welcome to stay around for the next item. The clerk's floor. Uh, but the next item on the agenda is the clerk's store PUD. And it is PL2021. This one's been hanging around a while. 0026. It's a conceptual PUD and sketch subdivision for the Clark's door. And now do you have a staff report or I can go to the applicant? Uh, let's let the applicant go first on this one. Okay. Because I'm the applicant. Uh, good evening, I'm Daniel Stranahan, uh, current owner of the business of the Clark store. And my family and Italco LLC have owned the Clark store since about the late 80s, I think, maybe late 80s. Just some some content for that. Um, we've been uh, busy at the Clark since 1978. Definitely, uh, various various projects up there. Um, this PUD addresses our desire or proposal to separate portion of the um, Clarksburg property, which currently is about 62 acres, falls both the north and south side of County Road 62, um, and PUD. Proposed south parcel as PUD would here be called lot one would contain open space, the Clark store, and the associated structures on lot one known as the barn and stone house, which have historically been like staff housing, community housing, it, it, a variety of housing needs, you know, through the decades. Um, the lot one PUD would be five acres. The residual lot two parcel would be about uh, 57.05 acres. Um, so this this PUD application is really just addressing the, the, the five acre carve out for, for the park store PUD. Um, we've got a couple of just kind of contextual slides in here that Walter prepared um, showing the site, you know, relative to say Glen Eden to the north. Here we are, obviously. Um, and the five acre kind of PUD was sort of let me show you this right. Kind of carve out something like a certain rectangle, something like that. And then we have the open space up here. Um, and then this residual acreage would be the lot two, 57 acres. Um, that is just kind of left over residual. So um, that's a nice slide. There's another, another perspective on it. Um, and then this shows the survey that four points uh, prepared for us on the left. I can point these out if people would like, um, but I, I, I kind of want to talk to uh, sort of some of the context here. You know, the, the car store has been a community hub for almost 50 years. Um, we've, uh, you know, on the property, we've had employee housing, rental housing, large structures. We've, Offered grocery selling real services. We hosted the Clark Post Office on 1889. Um, still has the well, it's probably not the original sign, but it's a sign. Um, and through the years, we've really become a mainstay for summer travelers on the way to Steamboat Lake and North Route. We've become a mainstay for the, the community of Clark. We're, we're really, really committed to serving the community of North Route and Clark. I mean, we, we really take our, our presence. In that community is kind of what guides every decision we make at the car store. Um, with the increased kind of traffic and density of summer travelers, we, we felt a real impact on the interior of the store. And it became 
Karen, that especially through COVID-19 as well, if we had kind of an outdoor dining program, we could really mitigate some of that interior pressure on the store. You create a lot of like outdoor space that would also serve as sort of a common green space for locals, but also a place for you know summer tourists just kind of pick up their feet and hang out. Um, and it would create a balance between the seasonal tourist needs and then the local, you know, the the, the, hard, the core local needs of the store because they use it every day, during right. every day. But in the summer, they're dodging you know lines of tourists getting sandwiches and things like that. So um, the goal here is to create. PUD that would allow permit us to kind of expand our commercial operation and create this kind of outdoor dining area. Uh, we'd have um, a beer and wine kiosk or a custom, like a custom design shed or a conics uh, a container or something like that um, to do beer and wine and kind of grilled foods, burgers. Um, and, you know, we've got a sort of landscaped area where that can all take place on this kind of south. Facing area of the store with you know really fantastic view of Sand Mountain. I mean, people always gravitate here and they want to just like watch the sunset of Sand Mountain. So we kind of want to create some structure that can do that. So um, that's the only thank you. Um, I'm sure there are questions or, or if you want more detail or more technical info, please ask. Are there any questions for the applicant? Okay. Not this time. Okay. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm getting mine set up. So, yeah, we're here to review the park store application for a sketch subdivision and conceptual PUD. Uh, again, Planning Commission made recommendations on both of the applications, and Florida County Commissioners will make a final decision. Uh, staff's review has determined that the application is in compliance with the Master Plan, the Upper Elk River Valley Community Plan, and all applicable PUD zone change and subdivision standards, and staff recommends approval with the conditions of approval. Uh, so we're going to discuss some history, the existing conditions and uses, the proposed uses and improvements, and review next steps. So the history starts with this being in existence since about 1971. There were multiple applications in the early and mid-70s for rezones, PUDs, and other development ideas that eventually did not go through. In 1982, a resolution was approved by the Board of County Commissioners rezoning the property to outdoor recreation, which is equivalent to planned unit development. And that approval was contingent on a plot being recorded, but that never occurred, so those approvals lapsed. In the mid-2000s, uh, the development of the North Route Charter School occurred, and there was a subdivision of the parcel that the school is on off of this parcel, and then there was the actual construction of the school. In recent years, there's been the addition of Clyde's Pies to the, to the exterior of the, of the park store. And then this all came, came about when in 2021, uh, the applicant applied for a liquor license for the, for the outdoor service and planning 
would not sign off on the liquor license until the PUD was put in place that codified all of the all of the uses. And so we've been working on that PUD since then. Alan, is the are you the is planning the like liquor licensing authority? No, that's all done through the clerk's office, but as part of their review of it, they send referrals out to the planning department, the environmental health, and the sheriff's department to make sure that they are in compliance with all applicable regulations related to those departments. But the county, the county actually is acting as a liquor licensing authority that correct. Correct. Yes. So the, the Board of County Commissioners is who actually issues that liquor license. Or is it a separate entity? Like I, I felt like the city has a separate thing. Maybe it's the Board of County Commissioners acting as what a is, separate yeah. entity. Yeah. But it's them that are making this, which is the same the town of Little Creek, the town of Yampa, all of them act as the yes. licensing authority. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, no problem. So currently, this is a 63, almost 64 acre parcel at the intersection of 129 and 62. Uh, it is 62 runs east west, and it's just immediately north of the of the Clark store. And the Clark area is identified in the master plan as a tier three growth area. Excuse me. And these are unincorporated communities that exist throughout the county that have historically established development, infrastructure, and may accommodate future growth opportunities. Proposals <laughs> are considered on a case-by-case -case basis and evaluated to determine if they meet the requirements of the adopted plans and if adequate infrastructure is available to accommodate the, the development. Acceptable small-scale developments may arise in Tier 3 areas based on a response to market conditions, housing demand, and workforce housing needs in the county, and should support the local residents' needs. Uh, the surrounding uses are residential, uh, Home Ranch in Clint Eden, uh, the North Route Charter School, the North Route Fire Station, and a gravel pit to the west. The nearest residence is approximately 565, 560 feet to the east across 129 and up on the hill. And then there are several other residences within a thousand feet of this location. So currently the Clark store, as you am sure you're probably all aware, is a convenience store, post office, liquor store, ice cream shop, deli, coffee shop, library, gathering area, all of the above are for the Clark area and North Browns. Um, there are two structures to the south of the Clark store. So we've got the Clark store right here. We've got, this is what they refer to as the stone house. Yeah. It's an old stone and log structure in 1932 or something like that. Okay, and there are two residential units in there. And then further to the south, this structure right here is the barn, and there are four residential units in there. And so the subdivision would create that five-acre parcel around the Clark store. It, they're going to dedicate the 1.29 acres for the right-of-way for County Road 62, and then there will be the... the the remainder of the, the existing parcel of approximately 57 acres, and that would be lot two. 
So 62 is a prescriptive easement at this point. Currently right now. Yeah. 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 So the, the PV is meant to codify all of the existing uses that were just mentioned. Creation of an outdoor gathering space south of the store and north of the stone house. And so in this, and then an outdoor food and beverage service area in, in that outdoor area. And three structures are proposed, 120 square foot storage shed, 120 to 160 square foot beer wine structure, and then 160 square foot food prep grill area. Uh, the residential units will also be codified through this and uh, the way that the conditions of approval and the notes on the PUD would read is that there would be able to replace and or improve both of those structures. And if they are to be replaced, the stone house could be increased up to 2100 square feet, still retain the two units and the barn up to 3,000 square feet and still retain those four units. Uh, this will also include a rezone of that five acre parcel from agriculture forestry to planned unit development. Water for this uh, project is supplied by the Bush Spring. Uh, there is a need to apply for a second water right for the commercial use and to expand it. And this right would be subject to administration, so it needs to be covered by an augmentation plan, which they plan to achieve through a contract with the Upper Yamba Water Conservancy District out of Steamboat Lake. And that contract will have to account for the future or a future well on Lot 2 when they would like to develop Lot 2. So here's some architectural examples of what was submitted for those uh, structures that would be in that outdoor gathering area. And then gonna go into referral comments. There were no comments received from the public on this. There were several inquiries, but nobody had any formal comments. Uh, environmental health wanted a report on the adequacy of the existing septic system to accommodate the existing and proposed uses. And that is required to be submitted at the next stage of review. And then they also wanted provided the comments that proper food services, food service license and permits must be obtained. The North Route Fire Department stated that the existing dry hydrant needs repaired or removed and a viable water source identified. And then any permits for wood burning appliances would have to be uh, obtained as well. CBW uh, suggested the use of animal proof trash cans, which are in the conditions of approval. And then the Division of Water Resources stated that material injury to existing water rights in the area will occur with the expansion of the Bush Spring and the addition of Lot 2. And that's why the augmentation plan is, is required to account for those depletions. Um, and the, so what I had mentioned earlier about the water supply plan, uh, the applicant formulated that plan in response to the comments that were received from the Division of Water Resources. 
The division also requested that a report detailing the physical adequacy of the water sources be provided, and this is addressed as a condition of approval as well. And then I do want to bring to your attention condition of approval number 11, and this relates to the liquor license. And so basically that condition states that as long as a um, final PUD, a complete final PUD application and preliminary and final subdivision application are submitted, then planning would be able to sign off on that liquor license so that they can, um, so I know there's a time frame associated with, with that. So to try to keep that, uh, keep that ball moving. So issues for discussion are mainly have to do with the architectural styles of the structures that are proposed and we staff is wondering if you would like to see final architectural styles during the final PUD review, or are you comfortable leaving it up to the planning director to review and approve those architectural styles prior to signing on board? And then next steps. So if this is recommended for approval by planning commission and approved by the board of county commissioners, the next step would include applications for final PUD and final and preliminary subdivision. All three of these applications can be reviewed concurrently if that's how the applicant would like to proceed. And those would involve hearings with both planning commission and board of county commissioners. So that's all I have for now. And of course, I am available for questions. Go ahead. Um, for the PUD and for the uses that are allowed, I'm a little confused with uh, the proposed structures, the wine and beer uh, structures kind of labeled as that. It sounds like it would be as such, um, but I was thinking of different things. Like I remember having the paddle company seeing their operation kind of being able to rent over there and stuff like that. Is this going to be limiting our PUD? the structures and the structures itself to like food services or are we allowed to kind of do more retail and different things so that this could kind of have a broader use than just food um and are we saying for the whole pd or are we kind of kind of really spe specifying structures and what can be used in each of those structures as well um, a PUD plan typically includes all of the uses and structures that are allowed. If it's not on the PUD plan, then it would not be allowed. And so that I was not aware that they had rented kind of I, I, And I could be wrong, but I believe they had uh, a sub company that kind of ran out of the parking lot or something like that. I don't, like, I don't it's not, no, it's not recent history. No. Okay, then I, I, mean, I, I might be thinking people, wrong. People show up in our parking lot and all sorts of things. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we've had political rallies that we didn't sign off on. And so, there is a stop company on the Steve Lane State Park. Yeah, they said it might be out there in the yeah. game. But I, I was just thinking, like, if you couldn't yeah. get the food services enough, that it would be a perfect opportunity to switch it for something in, in that regard. I like to pick it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> to, to follow up on that, the specific structures, the uses within those structures have to be called out. 
or the PUD is specifying that there is a retail component, a liquid, you know, there are all these components and there's flexibility in how the client of the applicant is able to utilize those structures the best to their business plan. I mean, the so I mean, one of them is just identified as a storage shed. Yep. And so we're not saying what can cannot be stored in that shed. And again, it's a it's a retail operation. And so I don't think that there would be any issue if they wanted to put power boards in that storage shed and someone goes into the stores, rents them, and they come out and get it out of the shed and put them on their way. I I mean, it's, it's the uses within the CDZ that is the, right. the, the what is factored in, not each specified. That, that's what I want to make sure. Yeah, copy. We're, we're just approving the structures and then the overall uses. And not yet. And in some cases, if I can, yeah, I mean, you know, right now, I, you know, this is the storage shed and it, you know, is proposed as sort of like a kind of a shelter for your class buys. It's got pizza on a pizza oven on a trailer, and so you can kind of back it up close to that and then have shelter from sun and rain. All the, you know, right now, you just like a market, a farmer's market, uh, whatever, one of those tents that blows away kind of three times a night. So, uh, this, you know, if, if, if we were to do this, this would be, we'd be committed to use here because it would be customized as a kitchen prep area. So, so that they would kind of define themselves here, you know, and then this would probably have a categorizer in it or something like that. So, you know, it'd probably be committed to use as a mirror world. So I think the problems would still itself in a sense. It's critical that in the PUD, you list, it's not critical because you can amend the PUD. Right, but that you any of the uses that you intend are listed. Okay, so that you, you know, are working within that constraint. Okay. And then the only thing I don't see on the, if I can continue, I'm sorry, the the plan. I believe liquor licensing requires containment of the area that's to to serve alcohol, and it actually has to be defined on the plan to be approved by the liquor licensing authority. I could be wrong; it's a long time since I've held one, but I believe there is a containment requirement. You mean storage? No, uh, fencing actually of the space where signage, some space, signage access. There's there's some. There, I only know because I had a liquor license that had to do with the yeah. pool of outdoor seating, and it was a simple process. I just defined. The entire limits of the property that I was on, but it, the fencing requirement and control of the area. So we had a state, um, we had a state liquor enforcement agent come look at this, like right before the pandemic. I mean, that's one reason the cart got kind of put for the divorce on this, the liquor license first, because she came up and, and she was great. She you know bought the property with us, and she, her point to that was just really good signage and kind of you know. Sort of soft barriers, not necessarily fencing, but like clear, you know, a clear kind of structure perimeter, um, and then sign it saying no alcohol at this point. And, and it basically, in the liquor, the on premise license would be external, it'd be outside the store, anyways. So, or it'd be from the deck numbers. Uh, yeah, it just uh, during the pandemic, they may have operated in one way. The, the staff can maybe help. Um, look into if there's actual requirements. I just, I remember 
that was a physical requirement in my application and just be aware of it. Yeah, I think it's easy to accommodate. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll do what that's, that's really one of the only other kind of things that I noticed that was maybe potentially missing, but maybe not. If they require fencing around this area, we would consider that accessory and that does not need to be shown on the Copy. And we'll we'll meet that requirement if you, and at that point we're not using that right. Well, it's, well a, it's it's not a six foot privacy fence. Right, it's exactly. a simple containment. Yeah. And again, if the authority doesn't require that, then then that's yeah, yeah that's unnecessary. Do we know? Any other questions? Question for the applicant. Mm -hmm. Recognize this is conceptual, but what is the existing septic drain field for? The uses that you have today and kind of plan, you know, for the, for the six residences and the commercial use. Well, the six residences, it, it, I believe they have their own septic field actually. So they, there's, and we might have to clarify this because it's a lot of this is pretty old record keeping. Right? Okay, it's dark. And so, I mean, the original. He calls out from 1972, which was written on a piece of cardboard. And then he goes at the files here. Um, but the static field is up here. It's, you know, I mean, we anticipate having to expand it and improve it. I mean, we're, that's part of the plan. I mean, we just figure we're probably at our max as it is. So if we're going to add, you know, water and, and um, you know, any kind of additional gray water or septic needs, We'll have to expand it, and that's why I think in, in Alan's breakdown, there's a paragraph about getting a, an engineer out there to do advocacy for more than that. So, all be able to be done on lot one. Yes, I think we have an easement set up there. Alan can pull back the slider too. Yeah. It's it not a problem, but we haven't had septic issues thus far, so occasionally we have to like kind of blast it a little bit just to. Get three out of one, but well, this process will kick off a little bit you know, more of a review. Yeah. But it's something you know, I believe our conditions of approval recognize that and seek from the you know the county to have their input on that. We rely on their approval. Is, is that rectangular object to the west? Yeah, of, yeah that's yeah. the leach mail or leach field. Yeah, yeah. Well spotted. That's it right there. Yeah. And then there's the store. I think we have that as an expanded easement on that piece of property. And same thing as the well or the bush spring, is it also on lot two? Bush spring is actually up in here. Gotcha. Yeah. It is actually the Clark Water Preservation Company. It was something my dad set up like a long time ago. Or, yeah. was the president of <laughs> But it services the Clark store, some of these residential homes, and also the, uh, the six rental units on the property. And, and how many, what's your water right to that spring total? Five gallons a minute. Yeah, 0.011. 0.011 per second. Per second, yeah. It's a very good supply. I mean, it's been a real warmer for decades. But that's why. We have language in here about applying for two right. We're actually under we, we've undertaken a review um, of the adequacy of the water supply with LRE. Ashley Moffitt is a water engineer. She works for LRE, water engineering. And um, she prepared a letter 
that addresses the yeah, 90 day window to, to do a report on that point. And then we augment the RPM to revert augmentation plan. Any other questions for the applicant or Alan? How, how much current parking? I, you know, the number, it's, it's in here somewhere at 32, 32 lots. I, I think when you break it out between tavern and, and retail, uh, the, the requirements between a tavern and a retail parking mm -hmm. you know, breakdown, I think you did the math on that, but I think you come out to 32 lots. I mean, it's been fine, you know, I mean, we get, we get hunters for other trailers and you know other toys and they, they tend to drive past because I yeah I couldn't park to go get it. I, I'm biased. I had I love yeah. the uh, the uh, chicken we the chicken wrap you know the buffalo chicken wrap I must admit. Um, so please don't hold that against me and allow me to continue thing uh, <laughs> you know but we do that seems like the challenge as you model your business model yeah. continues to expand is making sure that you have and it seems like there's maybe possibilities of um if, if you find need to expand and again the reason why i really like the pud process because it, it allows you to amend the, your plan as you define your needs and go mm -hmm. forward so yeah parking is maybe the only other thing i think that you, you know everyone's saying it's there well, I just want to put this break down and shows another 15,000 square feet on the door. Then, yeah, yeah, so this is kind of pulling in behind you. Sure, so, you know, see, so established yeah. Yeah. even after many years. I, I didn't know that I could go there. Well, we would have to kind of carve it out, copy, but it's, it's there, the space is there to do it. Copy is just you know, we'd, we'd have to define it, you know. Um, I mean, it, it you know, it's one of those targets where people seem to kind of make it like people. The people in the trailers, they 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 know where to line up. They get parallel to 129, and they take up at least one space. Then all the trucks can you know go head in. I mean, it, it seems to solve some problems. Just because I'm occasionally get someone coming in hot and parking at an angle, you know, trust the entire thing. But and and Roden, I I asked Roden Bruce specifically about the parking issues, and they they have not received any complaints about it and really didn't have any concerns. They just provided their standard comment, no parking on the right away. Right. Yeah. And I don't know that I've ever seen anyone parked on the right away. So it seems like it continues to function relatively well, just with continued success and growth will become continued needs for places to park. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a valid point. I mean, it's something we don't want about. You know. Well, at that conceptual level, that's the beauty of it. You get to yeah. work through all those things and make sure it's right where you want it because you have the ability still to make changes before your final review. And without, you know, trending too far into uh, roundtable, in general, I'd be inclined to support the, this moving forward as is. And I would be inclined to support uh, concurrent approvals you so see and as far as architectural review of the proposed smaller structures i think we can leave that up to the county and the applicant to work out what meets their needs best i don't know that we need to chime in on that but if if you think that's important please add that to the discussion the uh, question so is the pv only apple applicable to lot one itself is it correct a, yeah not yeah. lot two Lot two is going to remain in Agriculture Street. Okay. 
Yeah, well, I agree with that. If we're doing roundtable, yeah. well, if we have public comment, oh yeah, yeah, we're doing oh. roundtable now. I think, but but just an observation on lot two, and maybe this is relevant to this application. But you know, the North Route Charter School has expeditionary learning, and they're out on the northern part of lot two in the winter, snowshoeing, skiing, all that. And I look at that and wonder if we should. There should be easements for that, you know, or do you just give them willy nilly? That's just been kind of a flying agreement between us. And, and we've, we've been we've been grooming a loop, a ski loop for years up there so the kids can go ski and exercise. And it's been kind of a handshake deal, to be honest. Yeah. And we, you know, but yeah, we might want to modify it for the lower. This just seemed like, yeah, you know, since. You've been doing this for 40 or 50 years and said maybe you show it on there in some form. Yeah. On the lots you're talking about lots too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Well, you know, you've groomed the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually it's funny, I just had a meeting with the family in Helgo today. We were talking about getting some, you know, maybe introducing some liability waivers for that, just because. The world's changing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we ran into that on Sleeping Giants yeah. School that they, before it became a school, it was a very popular cross country area for the surrounding neighborhood. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's wonderful to have those guys out there skiing, though. It's great to see the kids out there. You know. But the liability aspect, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, we're still sort of, on that note, we might be still operating in 1978. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions for the applicant or staff? Okay. Any member of the public? I didn't miss it this time. And with that, I close public comment and would entertain a motion. So do we all round table though? I'll basically agree with Andy. I agree with him. Um, I don't think architecturally, I really, I think it's in good hands with staff and the applicant, and yeah, I don't I agree want with to that. see any of that. I agree with that. I don't think we need to get down to that level. Yeah, we, we, we care a lot about not. We're not going to put like big fashion on You know what I mean? Like, we, we care a lot about the aesthetic. We're really sensitive to that, so. The guy's kind of defying that up there. Maybe overdefined. No, no, it's great. Yeah. Well, here's where we sit until I hear a motion. Uh, make a motion <laughs> to approve, approve the Clark Store Conceptual PUD Sketch Subdivision Activity PL 20210026 with the following uh, conceptual PUD condition 1 through 13, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there are the findings of fact 1 through 4, and that's separate conditions. All in the rezoning and subdivision conditions. Uh, with including rezoning and subdivision conditions and finding of fact one through four. Second. Second. Uh, motion by Red Martin, second by Andy Benjamin. Is there any further discussion on this matter? Seeing none, all in favor, please signify by saying aye. Aye. 
Aye. Aye. Opposed? The motion for recommendation of the Board of County Commissioners carries unanimously. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Still like those Clark bars. <laughs> I, I know, I know. It just makes it easy. <laughs> okay. And they used to be 10 cents. And that's a lobby. That was a lobby. Okay. Administrators and Um. Yes. All right. So, um, Hopefully this includes too much brain damage, but um, everybody has in front of you a fun little schedule um, that staff was working on when we have been telling you about all the applications we had um, in front of us and we were expecting to land and they have. And so we are trying to plan the summer, mm -hmm. but also recognizing that we have this, you know, priority project of updating the regs that we need to weave through and consider with the dates we have available um, throughout the summer and into the fall. And so um, we had spoken in the past, and, and those of you that were part of the master plan update, you know that we've had to have special meetings. Um, to get that project done. Um, and we are making the same suggestion for this summer and we'll explain as to why we thought the visual would be helpful. Um, and I can walk you through this, um, but what we did here is the blue swim lane um, are our existing planning commission hearings. And what you are looking at in front of you is just the consideration through module one of the code update process, which goes from present, so today, through the end, uh, beginning of August. And so we wanted you to see the applications we have in front of us that are already filled up all of our agendas and what we are proposing with the code update process. Um, so we are proposing that we would schedule three joint work sessions throughout the project. One will be scheduled in this first module, and we're just trying to figure out what would be the most efficient um, and just make the most sense with our current planning projects but then also with the legislative you know, work that we need to do for updating the code, um, update the regulations. Um, so similarly to what we did before, we have the joint session for the first presentation on the overall project. We're proposing we would schedule joint sessions um, for each module to have planning commission and the board together when we are presenting basically 50% of what we've worked on behind the scenes and the direction we're intending to go to really get that feedback from you before we pass, go any further um, and get that feedback and it would be you know advertised as a public meeting as well. 
what we would be presenting to you all, not only the draft language at that point, but we'd also be bringing to you the feedback that we've seen through the community and the engagement meetings that we have set up. So um, looking at this, um, you have on here, um, on the very bottom are these combined activities. And um, this one here scheduled for the end of June is a target date we're looking to do our second technical working group session. We've already had one. We had a, the day of when we had our work session, the joint meeting with you all. Um, but also we would be having our first community engagement during that time. And at the same time, uh, starting our first pulse survey uh, of information. So we are looking to then have in the orange our suggested date for combined work session on a special meeting date for we're looking at right now July 13th for that. Um, because to put a meeting like that on these other meetings for current planning really doesn't make sense. Um, we anticipate these are going to be pretty heavily attended meetings. And, you know, we, we want you to stay on planning commission. We don't want to uh, discuss current planning and then put on uh, update of the regulations at the end of the meeting, which is typically what we do and have everybody tuned out and, um, you know, begging to get out of here sooner than later. Um, so with that, then the proposal would be when we get to adoption, typically what happens is by adoption, um, most of those hard decisions and questions should be worked out at that point that we don't feel it's necessary to have a joint discussion with the planning mission of the board unless we're finding, you know, through the process. And this is just module one we're talking about, which you know, this could pivot, and those of you that are part of the master plan process, you can't always predict what's going to happen when you come to an adoption. Sometimes it's easy peasy because we had such great participation along the way, and you know, there's no surprises, but that doesn't always happen. And you know, sometimes you know, towards the end for adoption, you have to consider that hey, it may not be ready to be adopted at that point, and we may have to schedule additional hearings, and then we have to pivot and, and, and schedule. We hope that that doesn't happen, but it could, so just want to be transparent about that. Um, so the idea would be that we would have adoption meetings, two separate ones for each module, one with planning commission, one with the board, which is what we did for the master plan. It worked out well. We usually have those joint discussions when you know we were really talking about the meat of, of the um, of the regulation. Well, in that case, of the master plan. In this case, it would be for the regulations. So, um, with that, looking at these planning commission dates in blue, we are also looking to put a tentative extra hearing on for the end of June, June 29th, which we feel is necessary with the um, with the bottleneck we actually have going on, which is what we were expecting. And if we don't propose an extra meeting for current planning, um, it's 
really going to prolong and, and screw up the rest of the schedule that we have and know what's coming in. Um, also, we've always done a pretty good job of getting people on the next available hearing. So it's, you know, more or less um, uh, just our level of service we provide to the community. Um, some of these applications are pretty time sensitive also that, you know, we don't have a lot of leeway. Um, for example, the Phipsburg and Milner um, water and sewer um, applications that are scheduled, um, you know, we really um, can't put that off um, and we can't really bump it. Actually, could you that that's what we're yeah. proposing yeah. and that's why we put it on here as a tentative extra hearing otherwise you would have four pretty significant uh, yeah. applications yeah. on one night and i it can be done i and strongly don't recommend it with one of those applications being the sketch subdivision and zone change for the tailwaters that's stage code. Stage yeah. Code. Yeah. Yeah. That, that probably deserves its own hearing yeah yeah, yeah. So what we're looking to do is um, we're thinking putting the um, the water and sewer for both those applications and the outfitters application on that 29th and having tailwaters by itself. Um, I don't believe the water and sewer should be too controversial because there's been a lot of outreach for that. But again, I say that probably based ourselves mm -hmm. that I'd be comfortable putting three applications on in one night. Um, and again, we've you know back in the day, you know this was normal. Um, it's just been a while with the economy and things you know catching up that you know we're having to have these conversations. Um, so with that, um, with what the outfitter? What is the, the outfitter? Is that a, a so to, to the tailwaters project? No, or no, is this totally separate? This is the outfitter that operates the Wolf Mountain Ranch. Copy. Um, and I mean, they've been outfitting on that property for thirty-five years, and it originally started off as like a wall tent drop camp operation, and then it's progressed into permanent structures and permanent facilities that have not been permitted. And <laughs> so we're so they're on the tight time frame to get an approval so that we can sign off the building permits so that they can make all of the required building improvements before the hunting season starts. So, or if not, then they need to make some hard decisions if they don't get approved. <laughs> right. So sure. um just say that out. Uh, it's Steve Zeman in Manchin. He was the former, he was a wildlife officer for that area um, a couple of years ago, and then he took over from Venata. Yeah, Lonnie. Yeah. Yeah. But looking so, at Steve, go ahead. I was just going to ask if I understand the, the June 29th would just be an extra county. It would just be commission meeting correct that we've added in. Whereas on July 13th, that's a combined work session. Exactly. That okay. would be that a would be special a night. And that's addressing more module one stuff. Exactly. That, that's all. Yep. Okay. Um, just wanted to be sure I knew the words. Updating the, the regs. Yeah, 7 6 and 7 20 are the normal dates. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think in blue, 
is the normal date outside of where it says tentative extra hearing for the 29th, June 29th. And you think, do we have enough community engagement for this module one? Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're already starting, you know. Okay. I mean, we're already drafting regulations for this module one that we'll be proposing to you all on July 13th. But to help um, uh, like build the scaffolding for what we're going to be essentially proposing to you all, we're confirming a lot of our assumptions through the community engagement we have scheduled um, in June and what we've already gathered. This module one, though, mainly includes a lot of the statutory language and, and items you already see in chapter like one and two, um, the authority language, things that we need to include in the regulations that um, I would say is just more, um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> More like boilerplate. Yeah. Like not a whole lot of original thought. Yeah, it's it's not like zone districts or uses or standards or anything. Yeah, it's like the enabling statute, how the process works, appeals, all like the, the standard stuff that shouldn't hopefully be all that controversial. Yeah. And so I do want to kind of, so on June 4th, that is the date that Design Workshop will give us their 50% draft. Of, looking at the green swim lane at the yeah, top. Yeah, at the top. They're 50% they're uh, of the regulations. Then staff will review it and provide comments back to them. And then they'll make their final edits to that. And then at that point, we are going to presented to the community and that's where we'll have that community engagement workshop and that survey will be open and then once that stuff happens we'll be able to come back to y'all and say hey this is the staff has completed their review the community has taken a look at it and provided their comments this is what we've heard and then you'll have a chance to look at those regulations, take into account what the, the community feedback to say if anything is to change at that point. And then we'll provide those comments back to Design Workshop. They'll incorporate it, make those changes. And then on July 28th, they'll give us that 80% done and we'll make our final reviews and give those comments back and then hopefully get an adoption draft without but that is just for module one, if you recall. There's three modules, right? So like this is kind of the easy stuff. Um and and setting us up for the process, you know, to then for module two, which is really gonna be, you know, those zone districts we're talking about and and design criteria specific to those tier two areas. Um and then that module three is gonna be everything else which is going to be a lot of work also right um but knowing that you know alan and i this week started just talking about scheduling and then we had our um, bi-weekly check-in with our consultants um and they gave us basically this tweet which i wrote all over but this basically lays out module one two and three with a lot of this information that we put on here just so we can visually see it 
and just know what our deliverables are, what theirs are, and then, you know, what meetings do we even have available to schedule all of this fun stuff with. And so if you started doing, I know you have, but yeah, module two and three, where does it go to? How long? It goes to December, but we added an extra month <clears throat> for those adoption scenarios we were talking about. Because if you recall, we're going to have regulations adopted after module one and then module two. But that module three adoption is going to readopt everything and will also give us an opportunity if things need to be speeds or um, if things change through the process slightly and we need to address that at the end. So, my best guess is that last adoption will probably, um, depending on how things are going, and we'll be checking in with you and the DCC along the way that are we comfortable with separate adoptions, which typically that's how that happens. I think it's more important to have joint discussions for the work sessions where you're really, you know, having those uh, discussions about what's being proposed. Not that you don't have those discussions about adoption, but typically um, a lot of um, that should be hashed out by the time you get to adoption because it should be in its final draft, right? Sometimes, you know, along the way, one work session isn't enough depending on how the process is going and what the feedback is that we're hearing, right? So this module one is really the template for the the straightforward stuff essentially, <laughs> but um, but that can change. I can be even my words as I as I'm saying that. But of course, module one also includes soul. Yeah, so it's very focused. Yeah, I mean that that's where we think the bulk of that discussion is going to be, and the bulk of what we're going to hear from the community. Um, but you know, when we're getting those drafts. Um, you know, that is something that, um, you know, we're going to see what that looks like and we're going to be updating you along the way. Um, but you would also get before we do the work session, you would have um, all of that information like you would staff report um, for you to join in on. <laughs> reviewing all, all of the, the fun language and, and the proposal um, to get that feedback from you. So with that, I don't know if this confused matters for anybody or if this That's a great kind of, tool. What's that? That's a great tool, I think. What, what's the uh, light blue, the TWG2 and CE1? So that's the technical working group two. So we've had one technical working group meeting, so that would be the second. And then community and, engagement workshop. Yeah, so that would be the first community engagement workshop. And we're still working on like the details of the location and you know what information we're going to be asking. I mean, we're like we need to nail down a schedule first because we also have to consider advertising, right? And we need to like make sure everything lines up because advertising costs. Is it one location money. or two or three locations? What's that? How many, is it going to be one location or two or three locations? We discussed, um, we discussed regional like we did with the master plan, but depending on module one and module two and three, um, 
you know, depending on what we have on the proposal that could change. Um, or if it's in one location um, and having the availability for people to zoom in. Um, all of that is being worked. We have a couple of dates actually blocked out for that. If you see at the top, it's 6-27 through the 29th. And we are discussing having the consultants in town for that, those three days, similarly to what we did. Um, killing birds with one stone with the solar conference and having the technical working group and the first work session, uh, having them in town for three days. So that would be the, uh, the intent. And the link, particularly, obviously, Steamboat Springs is half the population of the county, but solar wise, it may not be as involved with solar in particular. Yeah. As well, we, I mean, technically, we had our first community engagements, technically, yeah. um, then because we had at the library. Okay. We did have um, a few people that did attend. Most of them were um, Hayden residents and just really curious, but we got some good feedback, you know, just um, think how you were know, thinking about that and shared with you. Um, and we'll bring that up again because I think we're going to probably try to. Uh, we meant some of those comments into the draft we already have, which we're already tweaking and um, having it in a form to present to you all. Um, but um, yeah, it depends on, I mean, I think West Route might be appropriate for that, but um, just looking at the history of when we have engagement meetings, those of you that were part of the master plan, uh, we did regional, um, meetings or engagements and we also hosted two separate um, virtual meetings also which were pretty well attended um, steamboat obviously was the most highly attended as you probably would expect um hayden for whatever reason sorry paul i don't know uh, what's with your folks over there but uh you know it's always it's any kind of engagement meeting, not just from a planning standpoint, but I think even just talking with, um, you know, Tegan who's out there now and, and trying to get engagement in Hayden has been difficult over the years. Um, what I, you know, even talking, they had uh, meetings for the wildfire conferences, they had them regionally and, you know, that one was not very highly attended. It really just depends. I think we'll see a different, um, uh, my expectation is the engagement's gonna be very different for this process, completely very specific. When you're in meetings on the master plan, it's more, you know, broad and it's visionary. And you know, whereas this, you know, we're talking about like solar, or we wanna hear you about, we wanna hear from you about, you know, development and stagecoach, you know, or, you know, People are going to come to meetings, I think, um, that they're interested in, right? Uh, that either impacts them directly or on their interest level. So um, it's going to be interesting to see this versus the master plan, but um, we're working on all those engagement strategies behind the scenes. That just proposed 109 town on units. Just proposed 109 units. Uh, this, this is true. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, sometimes controversy uh, could uh, benefit, you know, getting engagement in there. Well, as the, solar, as the solar continues to progress forward, I bet you'll see that level of discussion maybe start to creep in. And, you know, it, there was nothing, no opposition right up until the first meeting on that apartment complex. So it, it could go really smoothly, and then all of a sudden, everyone shows up just because. Yeah, that's you know, that's all I can know this is going on. I mean, that's great. Nobody told me. Yeah. No, it's something after that meeting that occurred to me because uh, Dry Creek flooded a few days later, uh, but the solar maps covered a lot of the drainage areas, you know, and, and they look, if you look at them now, it's hard to believe what happened a few weeks ago. But I could see someone going into some of those low-lying areas and putting solar panels in there and just having the flood come through. Yeah. We're going to need to be on the stilts. Yep. What was the solar meeting tonight? Wasn't there something solar? I heard something on the radio. Tonight was geothermal. Oh, geothermal. It was uh, oh, yesterday no, and it's tonight. Geothermal yeah. at the library. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it wasn't for solar, but yeah, the geothermal probably. Yeah. Um, no, I it, think it was a, not specific to Brown Ranch. I think it was set up to. Yeah, it was just more excuse energy. Um, the one they did with yeah. energy economy. Yeah, yeah, energy economy stuff. And I know, like Scott Kalman, um, the director of um, environmental health, he was speaking um, on it. Yesterday, I assume he's there tonight. Also, do you, are you forecasting the possibility of additional meetings into the schedule over the summer to help accommodate what what is coming forward? Like possibly three meetings a month over the next four months. Um, we haven't gotten that far. Yeah, <laughs> I this was really precipitated by the number of applications that we've had and the urgency to get through those applications. And so like for us really putting it down on here and saying, wow, we need extra meetings to be able to get through this, uh, through module one and accommodate all the needs that the applicants have. That's kind of what we were focused on right now maybe potentially we're not going to have to add I think, many more. I think it's just, I would expect for module two and three um, and the timing of that, just to have an extra meeting for the joint meetings for each module. Yeah. So, two so more. at least yeah. one per month. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so again, you know, I have no problem if I'm available and if uh, I'm happy to mm -hmm. help facilitate this process yeah. to continue it moving forward. And if that means an extra meeting here and there, I yeah, I have, I have no problem with that. I don't really foresee, I say that now, right? We'll get slammed with like 10 applications, but that's, that's the hard thing. We keep our anticipated project list of people who we've talked to or we were working with, right? And you're always trying to plan, right? To, even from a staffing standpoint, to be like, all right, we're, who's going to be on vacation and just trying to manage that. And um, and then they never land. 
Yeah. And then it's like a year later, and it's like, okay, do we keep this unanticipated? And then all of a sudden you hear from them a year later, and then it's like, oh, they want to submit like tomorrow. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems it seems like stagecoach could throw a wrench in the monkey works really, yeah. really quickly. Really quickly. <laughs> at the end of our season. Yeah, yeah and, and just the the magnitude of, of the kinds of developments we're seeing, you know, uh, it'll probably be heavily attended and, and longer meetings, you know, not, not very straightforward or something that could be a clear something's got supported, yes, or you guys are like, why is this even here, you know? Um, so, you know, I thought that this was good just to obviously keep you all apprised of what we have going on, it's a lot, <laughs> but also why we are proposing um, these additional meetings um, so you understand, you know, that it's um, going to be necessary uh, for these projects. Um, any question, any other questions related to that? Or something that you all need that would be helpful. How much public comment are you getting on the Walker's stagecoach email? Uh, we just need the application to complete today, so it hasn't even been advertised yet. So yeah, yeah. So notices went out. Um, so we do two sets of notices: one when we deem the application complete, and then when another one when we schedule it. So today, the notice that. Uh, goes out when it gets each complete went out today. And so there's a three-week review period. And then at the end of that three-week review period, there's going to be a two-week notice period. And so to answer your question, no, we haven't gotten any comments because it just hasn't been advertised yet. But so to, to, to go over what applications we have coming up, on the next hearing, June 1st, we've got the Oak Creek shop. Uh, they want to, so there's the parcel that the shop is on and then the parcel behind it that they got from the town of Oak Creek through the Mountain Ranch project. So, and the county owns that parcel, so they want to consolidate it, rezone that back portion from AF to industrial and then do a site plan review for a scoria shed that they would like to put there. And then on the 15th, we have an application from the Steamboat Spring School District. And then Steamboat Lake State Park. That was the one that got tabled a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, moving the snowmobile concessionaire to the- That was the one baby that just couldn't get that done. <laughs> 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 you should be thanking them all, but hopefully it will be nice and tidy when it comes back. <laughs> so the Star Starbury Park Amphitheater, is that the um, so that's the picnic theater one? Yeah, yeah but the school district is the actual It's the applicant, because yep. it's their property. Yeah. Yep. And then Tailwaters, they uh, need to amend the future land use map that's in the stagecoach community plan. So. That's the only thing that's going to be considered for the state tailwaters project on the 15th. And is that the state park? Huh? Is that state park doing this application? No. No, this is that tailwaters, that 90-acre parcel that oh right after. Okay. Yeah, you're gonna be hearing it twice, um, essentially back to back. 
but it's just part of the process because stage coach, as you know, is the only um, sub area plan that we have that has a future land use map in it. Um, and you know, this will all be discussed, but this isn't anything that you know we can't really talk about because this is more of a, a legislative decision, but it's it has to do with um, uh, part of the problem when we went through the stagecoach community plan is that um, there's no commercial properties in stagecoach. And the only possibility at that time was in the hands of one landowner, the ski area. And um, we heard a lot of other people very frustrated with nothing ever happening and just no ability. The, the, the plan at the time didn't support a change of zone for commercial. Um, and so what we incorporated into the stagecoach community, community plan is this flexible zoning, if you will, um, that basically if you met certain criteria, you could request a change of zone and it would be supported in the stagecoach community plan for a town center. Um, and it was pretty specific of, you know, what that, you know, required. And so there is no town center designated on that future land use map on purpose to allow that flexibility that if the right application came forward and it met all the criteria, they could request, the, uh, the developer could request a uh, change to the future land use map for that. That's what this is for. They're, you're not going to expect any, um, you shouldn't expect any details of, you know, um, site-specific stuff. It's going to be more generalized. And this is just set you up for what you're going to probably be seeing coming forward in other applications when you decide on sketch plan approvals. It gets a little difficult because sketch plan is intended if a developer or an applicant meets the policies in the master plan, and that's really it. Um, it's more of a conceptual plan that somebody's presenting to you, and you're not going to get that level of detail, which really happens at the next stage of the subdivision process for preliminary plat. That's where you get your engineered plans, you get a lot of your studies. So that first step for sketch is more just conceptual. Does this meet the policies of the master plan or if it falls into a sub-area plan? Um, uh, so with this, um, you're first gonna be hearing just that and that change. And is this appropriate and you know a, a good site for what they're gonna be proposing to you? So I just say that because it's, you know, it's one of those things I find um, planning commission and the board finds most difficult making those kind of decisions without, you know, having all this information you feel you may need to make that decision. But that part of the process is merely compliance with the master plan or subarea plan. We're not really talking regulations at that point. And just because you say, yes, this may meet the criteria, this is in compliance with the policies of the master plan, that's not an automatic as a right approval to the end. They have a long way to go to prove and to show that this is an appropriate use for that site. 
And then you will have that level of detail when you get to that phase of the project. <laughs> so, um, it'll be fun. <laughs> um, so, those were the ones we just wanted to point out um, that are on the list. And then the one other item I wanted to bring up is um, essentially, um, I'll make this really short, but it's more of a training opportunity. I was approached by two planning commissioners this week on separate issues, and I just want to talk more broadly about it as a training opportunity. And um, in one case, um, a planning commissioner was provided a um, community plan and was sent one for another project going on in another municipality, Yampa. And so the conversation was, you know, is this appropriate? Is this ex parte communication? The other situation was an applicant that you have heard that's a pending application that you're going to be rehearing approached a planning commissioner about an item um, and wanted to meet and discuss it. Mm. And so, you know, contacted me to say, hey, what do you think? I, I think this is, you know, not appropriate, you know, and, you know, I, I should talk to them. So, um, and I just want to, I, I think these two examples are really good to be bringing up at the same time because it illustrates the difference between two different types of conversations. So like yeah. being approached about a master plan or a community plan or development plan, that's a, le that's a legislative action. And it's appropriate to have those types of conversations because it's a general broad stroke. Whereas if it's an applicant, that's a quasi-judicial decision. And all of those conversations have to be out in the open so that all of the decision makers are privy to the same, the same type and amount of information. So it's a good, good contrast between the two types of of, of when it's appropriate and when it's yeah. not. Um, and and through the legislative process, obviously there's community involvement. I mean, I remember. Bill, who was so proud going through the master plan and giving out his card and talking to people and, you know, more promoting it and an appropriate conversation would be, you know, somebody is having difficulty with our regulations in a certain area, you should be like, you should get involved in the process, you know, here's the dates, you know, we want to hear what you have to say or contact plan and contact me, because also through the process we're on um, which I didn't identify on here, but we are also having small focus group discussions on very specific items. So like we have small focus group discussion with our development community, find out what's working, what's not, you know, and getting that kind of information. So I've had numerous people contact me about things that they're passionate about or other efforts, you know, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, um, here's a focus group discussion we're going to be having and, you know, why don't you take part or there's going to be a survey coming out. And so that's all, you know, appropriate. Um, you know, it's a small town. We all probably know a lot of people and you're always going to have run-ins with, you know, various people. And whether, you know, there was an application currently under review or if somebody ever approaches you to say, hey, just feel me out, you know, I intend to, you know, submit an application, you know, for 
whatever it is. What what do you think the chances are, or what have you? You know, and and it happens. You know, you're running somebody at the grocery store, and you know, my suggestion that's still not appropriate, by the way. Um, and you know, the best way to handle that is send them our way. You know, tell them that you're a commission member, and you know, you're more than likely going to be hearing it and this ex parte communication, you know, but I have a good suggestion and contact staff because this is what we do all the time, that anticipated project list I'm going to you about. You know, people approach us all the time and we sit with them and we go through the regulations and we let them know what their chances are or some concerns that we see up front and we give them some appropriate feedback them to make an informed decision whether they want to move forward or not. So, um, you know, if anybody gets questions, I mean, a lot of you contact me all the time about this or when you need to recuse yourself, um, you know, and so Bill's not here tonight uh, because he would have had to recuse himself on the first item tonight and it was something that was earlier. He has worked for the applicant and has done work on that property. And that is something where, yes, you need to recuse yourself. There's other situations like Brian, who, you know, has surveyed for years all over the county, and there's numerous projects you probably have surveyed, and you'll either bring to our attention. It may not be you did a survey for the current applicant, but maybe you surveyed that property, or, you know, Andy, you've done a lot of work in the county, and maybe well, this you been the key there example tonight yeah like i know i know who they are again ryan's a he slays fish out there. <laughs> but knowing somebody it's, it's did you feel you couldn't make an unbiased decision no absolutely and not you and there was no money exchange you didn't work for him you didn't do exactly. actually work that's like the clear line where you need to recuse yourself and the applicant also makes that difference like i do work with walter all the time He's not the applicant. He's merely been hired by the applicant. Yeah. So yeah. And then there's times where I'll say, I don't feel like it is a conflict, but it's probably best to put it on the table and make the announcement and have you all decide if you think it's appropriate for Andy to sit in on the application. And typically, when that happens, most of you find it's really something that isn't that big of a deal and we can proceed. But you made it clear and it's in the record, so it can't come back and bite us at the end. So I, I kind of call it on am I doing work for this current applicant? That's yeah, yeah because like you said, I've been all over the county. If I'd be pretty much gone on everything, <laughs> on everything but or a lot of things. But yeah, you know, if you did it 20 years ago for three hours ago, what's the deal? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, that's all I have. Um, I don't know if you guys have questions about that. Talk about our sign in uh, the county. Yeah. Oh, got you. Did you have any questions about it or? <laughs> cool. All right, cool. I think we are adjourned with that. <laughs> And taking the approach I do when Google asks me, I'm looking at this for you, right? No, if I say no, I don't accept, then I don't get to buy whatever it is I just wanted. <laughs> Thank you.
Are we the licensee? Yeah, we're licensee. Thank you all. Thanks. I tried to ask a question about the uh, too late The in-house were evaluated as a large employee or with yeah. and I didn't agree with that. So um, you know, we like he would probably argue we need to know what's in that storage. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, so anyway. Um, I, but also, I mean, that's yeah, why opinions yeah, are kind of messy anyway. Design workshop with us this written out one by one. Yes, uh, Blake uh, totally made that for us, by the way. And I would never use the term swim lane if he did not use that when he was presenting it to Alan and I. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> totally in the know. I'm so cool. <laughs> the... Have a good night. Thank you. And I would, if I had a PUD I was amending, I'd, I'd have to find someone to proxy. That's still pretty much like non-negotiable. That, that you would have to what? Yeah, let's say I owned a piece of property that had a PUD on it and I wanted to amend it. Oh. Like, let's say it was an existing, let's say nursery. 